Thoth Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Hello, friends and listeners, and welcome to yet a new episode of the Thoth Hermes podcast. My name is Rudolf, and I am your host, speaking to you from the outskirts of Austria's lovely capital, Vienna. And this is episode number 13 of season number 6, and I hope you are not superstitious episode 13 is going to be a lovely episode because my guest is diana craycamp diana is from the netherlands and she recently released a wonderful book called unduat the great awakening and of course unduat we're going to talk a lot about ancient egypt but also about ancient egypt today right um Welcome to this show and it's great to have you here with me. If it's your first time, I hope you're going to enjoy this. And if you return, well, welcome back. It's great to have you with me again. For those of you who want more information on this podcast, who maybe want to discover more about it and Every week when I get some feedback, I see there are people who discovered the podcast just now after more than four years of its existence. And that's really great. And I can also see that the number of listeners are really increasing every week. So wonderful. So if you are one of those who is new or if you just want to know more about it anyway, go on the website. It's sourcehermes.com. That's T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. And there you will find all the shows that we have done in the six seasons so far. You will find all the show notes to those shows. So more information about our guests, links to their web pages or the informations they gave. Uh, it's really important to go there if you want to get more and deeper information. And I know many of you do. Also, I spoke just about feedback and feedback is something that I really like and want to have. So if you want to give me some feedback, go also on the website. You have voicemail there. That would be lovely to leave me your voice and your opinion, your thoughts on the podcast and of what you heard. And on the other hand, you could also send me an email, info at tothermes.com or use the contact page that is on the website. We also have our pages on Twitter and Facebook, of course, and you're always happy to leave me a note there. Speaking about leaving a note, um, I have asked you several times, and I do that again, to leave me some notes about your music, if you make your own music. If there is music that you produce, that you have composed or performed, or that is important to you in any creative way, please let me know and I will be happy to listen to it and to probably play it also on the show. And the music we are going to hear today will also be from someone who is a listener of this show and I'll tell you in just very very few moments about him and his group and well 
he only just wrote to me because he heard me talking about that. So now it's up to you out there. Okay. Something else I need to say to you. Yes, you know the matter, but I have to repeat it each week because it is important and we still need more of your help, more of your support. I have two or three new patrons this week and thank you all who have joined so far and who are supporting also financially my show. But we need more of you, so please go on the patreon.com page and look for the Thoughts Hermes podcast. And uh, if that's complicated or you want to get an easier way, well, there is also the website of this podcast, thoughtshermes.com. And you have a button, you just click on the Patreon button there, and there you are, you can choose what your donation per episode is going to be, and it all starts by one dollar per episode so you can really easily be part of those who support and uh, support their podcast also financially and if you prefer to give a one-off donation once so why not using the donation button that is also found on that home page right okay enough said about that and now let's go and listen to some music as you are used to on this show as most of you know, and those who are new here, I'll tell them now, every time I play three pieces of music and the first comes now. And as I said, it's from somebody who is a listener and a supporter also of this show. His name is Jeff Turner and the name of the group is XO. And XO is a shoegaze alternative rock band who which was formed by jeff and his twin brother jake in 2004 already so they have been music together making music for quite some time even since they were kids when they were starting on the piano and then guitar drum bass etc jeff is the songwriter and his brother polishes the ideas and they record together and so writing songs performing and building a community has always been something that was important to the two. They were also touring guitarists in Say Anything for quite some years and traveled the world. So they have a lot of magical experiences they made also on their trips. And they uh, and Jeff says he's still influenced by those experiences today. XO, that group, has released two studio albums, two EPs and a live album and can be found on bandcamp.com. And I will, of course, leave their link on the show notes so but now let's go to listen to the first piece of music they have sent me and it's a piece called end of days you're now gonna hear xo and their song end of days enjoy
End of Days. Written and performed by XO, that's Jeff and Jake, the twin brothers who have been performing music for many, many years already together. And Jeff is a listener of this show and sent me his music and I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much, Jeff. Right, let's go and meet Diana Craigcamp. Diana, she's an artist, a visual artist who lives in the Netherlands and she will tell us a lot about her personal life uh, in a few moments, so I'm not going too much into it at the moment. But she's, of course, an active occultist as well, and she has discovered for herself the wonderful uh, texts from ancient Egypt, uh, which are called the Amduat. Well, it's one of that, what we call the books of the dead. And she has written a book with texts that she assembled herself next to translations of, of course, texts from the Amduat itself. And it's a lovely, I would almost say a grimoire that she has edited here. It's also a lovely book to hold in hand. It was published by Mandrake from Oxford. And um, this, this book, uh, even the touch of the book is wonderful. And of course, the artwork and the photos that are reproduced in it it's it's just a, quite an experience to hold those 400 pager in your hands right and um, i'm not going to tell you much about what is in it because we are going to talk about that at length in just a moment with Diana herself and she's much more apt to tell you all that herself let me just for the moment now as i always do read you a few lines from that book and from a chapter that is called how to descend in the duat Meditation is the best method to actively and consciously work with the Amduat and to gain access to the centuries-old knowledge. The meditation should be performed in a quiet room without interruptions for approximately half an hour a day. During the meditation you need to sit on a chair with a straightened posture, hands on your upper legs and feet next to each other on the ground. You could also use a footstool to facilitate a better posture. Numerous images and statues can be found of pharaohs adopting this posture. This position allows you to concentrate without falling asleep. And it's preferably to meditate daily around the same time as a part of your daily activities. This will allow you to make it a habit and to properly build a relationship with your inner world. Although daily meditation is not feasible for everyone, you could still work with the Amduat. Simply try to create a pattern to, for example, meditate on the few fixed days during the week. Try to find a rhythm that works for you. Similar to studying, you will benefit depending on how much you invest. The same rule applies to the Amduat. If you have no experience with meditation, it might take some time getting used to before you can find rhythm. However, if you follow through and are able to make it a habit, it will come naturally, like brushing your teeth or combing your hair. And at some point, if you are not able to meditate due to illness or other reasons, it might even feel like you have forgotten to do something important. Meditation is an engagement with your subconscious world. If you do not show up on the agreed-upon time, your subconsciousness will make you aware of that. Okay. 
I think we all know that problem about finding the time for meditation and um, Diana is more than right in what she says here. It's a very important thing for everybody who is actively working on occultism. Um, but most of you out there who are listening, I think you know that and Well, don't you all have your meditation routine? Are you really up to it? Do it every day? Good, good for you. Okay, now let's go and see Diana. As always, we come back in about half an hour in the middle of the interview and we'll hear another piece of music by XO. Um, but for the moment, let's go to the Netherlands and meet Diana Krijkamp. Here comes the interview. It is with great pleasure that I welcome here today on the Thoth Hermes podcast today's guest Diana Kreikamp from the Netherlands and I say a great good evening and welcome to you over there in the northwest of Europe. Hello Diana. Thank you Rudolf, it's wonderful to be here. That's great to have you. And what brings us together here today is a very special book that you published. Well, it's already now four or five months ago, if I remember well. May. It was May. May. So it's only two months. Two right. months. Yes. Yes. Um, but it's something that is really special. It's called Anduat, subtitled The Great Awakening. And uh, of course, Anduat is a term in Egyptology and for those who and there are many occultists, of course, who know a bit about Egypt. The term Anduat is something that is a bit known, but maybe we should start, Diana, with you explaining us a little bit what the Anduat in general is. Not so much yet your very special take on it, but in general, what brings us there? Uh, well, the Amduat is an uh, important uh, ancient Egyptian funeral text of the uh, Middle Kingdom. And it tells the story of the 12-hour journey of the sun god Ra through the realm known as the Duat. And the Duat is the realm of the, where the souls dwell, dwell after death. And the word Amduat or Imi Duat means in the Duat. Right. And those 12 hours, I think they are also something that come back a lot in many, many occult teachings all over the Western, the Western teachings um, from Freemasonry through other occult workings. We have often those 12 hours and that's very often related to old Egyptian tradition, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you yourself, you have a very special take on that. And before we go on the book and on your take on it as well, we have to know a little bit more about yourself, uh, uh, Diana. Now, you are an artist, a visual artist. Yes. Uh, maybe you tell us a little bit about that first. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a, a fine artist and I use uh, different techniques to create uh, my paintings and drawings. And for me, art is a, a divine creation. And you know, the most beautiful art arises when you are in tune with your intuition and when you get inspired by that. And uh, that's the way I also create soul drawings as a psychic illustrator. That's an important part of my work. Can you say a bit more about those soul drawings? How, what do we have to imagine about that? Uh, well, 
helped. Um, I uh, make those drawings and I use a photo of the person or, of, or the animal and I tune in with the photo so I read picture and by means of insights I create a drawing and I write down the explanation and the drawing and the text um, it's, it gives a kind of uh, helicopter view so um, people become conscious who they are and they get a better understanding of their gifts and talents and a better understanding of their potential. Well, for an animal, it works different because I make the drawing for the owner to better understand their animal and how to interact and, and care for it and uh, that they know what it needs uh, to be comfortable. And well, this is an important part of my work as an artist because I think it is important to be conscious of who you are and, and, and why uh, you have to do certain things in your life, you know, to find your unique path and to express yourself uh, to make a difference. And I think it's really important to um, well, support people in this. That's very interesting. What did you bring there? I mean, so, uh, that kind of approach to art is not something probably that comes like that to you. No. Uh, um, how did you get into that? How did you find out about that also special capacity you have to have yourself to be able to do that kind of drawings? Yeah, well, I actually, I was not really aware of this, but a friend of mine said to me, did you know that you can uh, make uh, drawings for people and tell them exactly who they are? And I said, yes, okay, yeah, right, yeah. Well, I didn't believe him, but every time I uh, visited him, he, he started over and over again about his subject. So, in the end I thought well okay I have enough of this I let's try it so I tried it uh, with a friend uh, or somebody I, I knew a little bit and I made this drawing for her and I explained it and she was well she was so um, amazed about it and she said well how do you know that I said well I don't know I just made the drawing and the explanation it is all a kind of in yeah, inspiration and well so that's how it started and uh, well meanwhile I have made lots and lots of those uh, drawings is that technique, uh, so to speak, is that somehow related to aura reading as well? Or is that something completed? It? No, no, it's, it's more, it's just a drawing and it's sometimes it's a quite a symbolic way. And uh, it can be in all sorts of things. It can be, um, I, made, I have made a drawing of a sunrise or with all kinds of symbols in it or it, it can be anything. Okay, so you draw a picture about what you see about that person. Yeah, right? it's uh, the, the inner, mm -hmm. ins yeah, the inner images, and uh, when yeah. I uh, get the picture in my hand, then the, the flow of information comes. And in the beginning, I wrote it down with pen and paper, but now it goes so fast. I'm sitting behind my computer, and I have to type it really fast. Fascinating, really fascinating. But that shows us also that you are, as an artist and as a human being, of course, um, very much leaning towards 
Well, let's let's call it the esoteric and the occult world, which is quite uh, an important part of what we are talking about here. Uh, do you did did this technique come to you while you already were working as a, an occultist yourself, or how was the order of things in your life with those with those? You know more uh, my spiritual path. You mean yes? Yeah. Well. Um, Well, since I kid, I was quite fascinated by the divine and I tried to solve the mystery about God. Who is God? Is he a man or is it a sea? And I figured out for myself that uh, God was not human after all. I, For me, it was a force and it showed itself by colors, you know, all sort of beautiful colors. and. But I still communicated with it like it was a person and I talked a lot with the divine and for me it was a focal point and a kind of my best friends. And the common threads through my life were all those questions, you know, what is behind all this and what is the purpose of life and what is the purpose of my life? And so I've been a seeker for knowledge I, I wanted to know, I wanted to know as much as I, I could and actually it all started when I traveled to Thailand when I was I think 20 years old and those temples made a deep impression on me, you know, the serene atmosphere and there was some kind of a connection with uh, something that was greater than me, you know, greater than life itself. and. I observed those monks and they were busy with offerings of rice and flowers and and they were always praying or sitting uh, in meditation and well I, I find it so interesting and those Buddhas were so important you know they, they were uh, radiating inner knowledge and wisdom and Well, I felt some kind of inner connection or something what I was looking for. And when I came home, I started experimenting with meditation myself. And over the years, I examined different religions and traditions and philosophies. And I practiced a lot of different systems like uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, and I got involved in the Western Mystery tradition and also in shamanism. And well, I learned, learned a lot of different things in a different way. So yeah, that's, yeah. You just mentioned shamanism. Uh, I hear a lot from people I talk to that when they start with looking into Eastern traditions first, that shamanism yeah. almost builds like a bridge to finding out more about the Western tradition. Do you also make, did you also make that experience or did it no, work? No, no, for me was it more uh, uh, from Buddhism. I um, came into Western Mr. tradition and in the end, uh, a bit of shamanism. Okay, so that way around, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. but you know, The Western tradition, I'm always busy with that. It's not something I did and now it's done now. It's just a part of my life. Yeah can never be done in my opinion. No, it can never be done. Never. <laughs> Absolutely. And no. um, would you want to define a little bit for us within the Western tradition where your focal point lies nowadays? What what brings you what gives you the experiences that you're looking for mostly? 
Uh, well, I um, I joined uh, the SOL and I learned a lot of uh, uh, techniques, you know. So we have to uh, so we have to say that's the servants of the light. Uh, the, oh, for yes, those who don't sorry, know the SOL, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. The yeah. servants of the light. Which yeah. is the group that Dolores Ashcroft-Novitsky was leading until about uh, two years ago, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah, and I was a student there when she was the, the director of studies, mm -hmm. uh, study over there. And... Uh, well, I learned a lot over there and uh, techniques uh, of meditation and, you know, visualization. And I learned to work with uh, the system of the Kabbalah. And, yeah. you know, so I, I made it my own, those techniques, and I still use them and I will always use them. I think path working is an important yes, part of Yes, path working. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. We had Dolores on, on this show about two years ago and it was one of the really lovely interviews on this show oh yeah. yes yeah. she is lovely she is absolutely absolutely yes if she listens to which she might hello Dolores oh yes hello <laughs> she, Dolores she sometimes, How are you? she sometimes does listen to this show oh, okay um, yes and um, so you 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 got really deeply into would you call yourself in that case a ceremonial magic as you want your focal points or is that is that not the right focal point that i'm picking oh here? yes 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 i i, I do uh, a lot of rituals myself mm. and i write in myself and i i i do it on my own but it really works and i really love to do that right what we are speaking about here today is of course uh, deeply Egyptianly influenced the subject and um, yeah. so within your study of the Western tradition uh, when or in what context did you confront yourself with ancient Egypt and their thoughts and religion and and gods uh, yeah yeah, well, well, I joined the SOL. I uh, I got those uh, very vivid dreams uh, about Alexandria, and I also uh, it also popped up in my uh, meditations. And then I find out that another student had exactly the same dreams like me, and. Well, that was quite curious and that made me curious about ancient Egypt and I didn't know much about it. So I started to, uh, yeah, to, to look into that. And, Approximately and how, how much time ago was that when, when, when that happened? Um, how long was that ago? Um, I think 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm quite new in ancient Egypt, you know, you have those well. people and they're into Egypt since they are five years old. Well, not for me. Sure. But um, as a occultist, I say it like that in general, do you feel also that you started very early with those things that you were talking about initially that's looking for the divine and did that start in your childhood? Yeah, very young because you know I I um, I always could see things and yeah. I thought that everybody could see them till I find out that they actually didn't see the same things as I did and I was quite shocked about that. I really didn't understand how that was possible. How old were you then? Um, I think um, I think I think seven years old or something like that yeah so and it, it changed my world a little bit because you know it, it yeah 
I felt myself a little bit different then, mm-hmm. but in, well, in the end I got used to it. But yeah, I thought that everybody could see that. But it was how, not. how did your environment react? Your parents or, or brothers and sisters? Oh, they didn't that? know. They didn't okay. know. You wouldn't tell no. them. No. No, I didn't. I didn't say say anything about it. Yeah. And, and yeah. actually, I I don't like to talk about it. And when I started to make those soul drawings. I well, I had a little bit of a problem, but because I have to say something about it, how I created them, and then I had to put it on my website, and I was thinking, oh my God, what what can I say about it? And and the lords, I asked the lords about it. I said to her, what am I doing? Can you give me a name for that? She said, my dear, you're just a psychic illustrator. So that's the word I use now. <laughs> yeah, well, but but that's a great that's a great thing. I didn't know that, and it's good we're talking about that because it's a fascinating part of you and which of course explains to me also the approach to the book to Anduats that you are that you are taking because I think those things are and have to be related in that in that context yeah just one quick more question about childhood my theory about that is always that almost every child has that experience but depending on what kind of child you are and in what surroundings you grow up you at some point then just dismiss the idea that you do that or and other children maybe more are more affected well in a positive way affected by it and go further and people like you Uh, would you would you think that as well or do you think it's a a special thing that some children have and understand um i i think that a lot of children when they are um um before they are seven years old, yeah. they, they, they can see a lot of things. And I think that it closes around that age. Absolutely. And, um, but in my case, it never closed. It yeah. always stayed yeah. open. So, yeah. yeah. And Rudolf Steiner, of course, also explains it with the seven years. And then oh, you, so, yeah. you get different authorities. And if you follow those authorities, you lose those capacities. And, oh, really? And, but no, if I you, didn't follow them. If you already have a your own authority so to speak in yourself then you don't need to close that so that's in a very very simple words yes exactly yeah okay that's interesting but let's go back to you now um so egypt 20 years ago you started looking into that and um of course when you deal with egypt as a as a western esotericist so to speak at some point you come to their beliefs in in the duat in the world of the of the death uh how did that happen for you how, how did you make that encounter at first um well actually i never ever heard about the duat the amduat i for me it was only basic knowledge i was really interested in the gods and the myths and i love those stories and well that was it i knew about the book of the dead but i was thinking well why why should you read a book of the dead i'm not dead yet so why should i Mm. and um but um well, at, at, at some point I got the inspiration that I had to work with the Amduat and it popped up in my sleep and my meditation and during my day, but I had no idea what the Amduat was. So 
first I thought that I had to do something or was it something like am I doing what or something and well I tried everything to solve the mystery and I was scrolling to books searching on the internet but nothing made sense and I didn't know how to write it so it was quite difficult to find out what it was so and in the end I thought well I let it go if it is important well it will show up some other time and well this actually happens the same week uh, I visit a friend and I explained to him I am doing what problem and he said well I think I know what you mean and he showed me one of his books and it was the ancient Egyptian book uh, the Amduat and well it hit me right in the face and I ordered the copy right away and I started my research so it was a, a bit of an unusual way. Was that the famous book by Eric Hornung? That yes, yes, that was, yeah. So that I think was he was the first Egyptologist to really work yeah. on the Anduat. And, uh, oh, no, no, no. It was, I think, Piankov. Was he first? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. But I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. But Hornung is so the, the yeah. book about the Anduat in the classical, in the classical yeah. point of view. But what, wonderful. What, what you are doing here, of course, in this book that we, that I have in hand here, it's not only a wonderful blue color. I, I, I yes. love that blue color. And also the feeling of the book is great. And of course, the painting on top, which is from you, I believe. Yes, uh, it's my painting. Uh, right. Um, it is, it is something very different. It's not just another translation of, of the Amduat or it, it's a very, very different approach. So before we go in a little deeper into that, tell us about your approach. What did you want to do with it? What did you want to, to, to bring up here? Well, first of all, um, the Amdawat is quite an abstract text, you know, it is full of um, Egyptian symbolism and it's related to the ancient Egyptian view of the world of, of life and death. And for us, it's really difficult to comprehend this because um, we are living now and it's, it's, it, this is the Amdawat is thousands of years ago. So for me, it was important to make a kind of a translation to uh, yeah, our, our time now. So people will understand what the, the book is uh, about because when I first was reading the Amdawat, it was so abstract and I knew there was something more in it. So, and I wanted to translate it to, yeah, to our modern time. So that the Amdawat became um, interesting for a lot of people. And the text that we find in the Anduat, if I'm not wrong, but please correct me if I'm wrong, um, they were initially, of course, not the book, but they were on the walls of the tombs yeah. of the pharaohs, the right? Tombs, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and were then collected in by Hornung and his people into into printed matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have you ever been able to visit those places where they were found? So what what, yes, yes. what was that experience for you? Because, of course, you just mentioned how does the text work in time here, but also in the space that it works, especially for a visual yeah. artist, right? It is it is really it was an amazing experience because I went to Egypt and 
uh, that week they announced that they would open the tomb of Tutmosis III and he has exactly the same uh, Amduat on his walls as the one I use and the one in the Book of Hornung and um, it is so beautiful I've been there a long time and it was really hot over there but I, I I couldn't I couldn't leave I wanted to see everything and it was so you know it is uh, it is it's difficult to describe but there is so much knowledge in it you you can feel it it's 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 some kind of a way it, it radiates or something like that and if you are there and the text is around you it's so it's a, a, a really extraordinary experience and you as a visual artist but also with that special capacity that you just explained in the beginning um do you think it influenced you personally in a particular way what you saw Yes, yes. I, maybe it sounds a little bit funny, but uh, or a bit weird. But it was something like that. I remember it or something. That it was some kind of a forgotten memory and was buried deep inside me. So it was something like, hmm, it, it's kind of familiar. And well, I don't know how, but that was the feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you ever study hieroglyphic writing? Did you uh, yeah. Yeah, learn to read it also, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it is quite difficult. And um, sure. well, I'm not an Egyptologist and I'm not able to um, translate complete text, but I can translate part of it. And that's, for me, that's enough to get a much deeper understanding of it because It is really difficult and especially the grammar is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have, I would think, three levels, not levels, but three different parts of difficulty for our time. The time and the understanding of a culture which is that far away. Then just the reading of the text itself. And yes. thirdly, making out of that, making something for our time. And that's what you did here. Yeah, so yeah. Um, how, what happened in you that decided you to take that path and to say, well, I want to create the Anduat. Should we say the Anduat, what it is for us today? Or how would you, yeah. how would you name it? Yeah. 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 So what made well, you, what brought you there? What did you? I think it was a kind of a process because the moment that I, uh, um, this, uh, discovered what the Amduat was and I started my research, I was quite intrigued by the text and the illustration and the text was so rich of, uh, so rich and full of symbolism and there was, I knew there was much more in it than a journey of the sun and there was something hidden beneath it and for me the only way to understand it is that you have to dive deep beyond the layer of the rational thinking. So I started to explore the dua by means of meditation and I used the Amdawat, you know, the, the text and the deities to meditate on and later I also used path working and ritual and trance work and And I wrote my experience and insights in, uh, in diaries. And by now I have 11 bulky diaries in total. And 
Well, it was a lot of personal stuff written in it, but also uh, during my meditation, I got a lot of uh, information on on different subjects, and I lay, I made a lot of drawings of those insights, and you know, the the those diaries are books in themselves, and yeah, I. Um, I had uh, um, contact with Dolores and she said to me, she knew that I was uh, meditating on the Amnuat and she said, well, you have to write a book about it. And I said, well, why should I? Because it's my personal journey and it's mine. It's mine. (laughs) And she said at another time to me, she said, well, yeah, well, maybe, maybe, but I, I wasn't ready yet. And the third time she said, it was not a question anymore. It was not uh, if I would write a book, but why I would start. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to write a book because she said, this is important for other people to know about. And you have to tell about your experience and uh, well, maybe other people can, can make use of that. And so I decided to uh, write a book about it. And um well, the moment that I um, decided that, um, a flood of, of information came down on me. And through I, the meditation and through your path work, you mean? No, it was, uh, no, I was just, um, I had that phone call with Dolores and I, um, yeah, the, the, the same evening there, there happened something and it came a lot of information and I grabbed pencil and paper and I had to write it all down. And that was the first part of the book. And it was, uh, yeah, and, and, and so I had to write it. And it, this happened a lot of time, you know, uh, especially at night, of course, and also during the day that all those information came through. And well, I, I wrote it all down, down and uh, also used my diaries. And that's how the book uh, is created. Do you do you get the impression this was kind of a channeled writing or, or is it different? Well, it is, it is a, bit, a bit the same like the soul drawings, you know, it is yeah. the information of something. Well, I, I don't know, it's, it's um, in a plain context or whatever. And um, well, they give this information to you and you know, it's not yours because you don't know anything about it. And, and that was a bit with my book. So also because I wrote, wrote all those things down and, 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 and later on when I was reading it, I was thinking, well, did I write this down? Um, yeah, you know, it's not something you, uh, it's, it's not really yours. I mean, what we have to point out here to people who have not yet seen the book or held it in hands is this is, um, how should I put it? Well, you have, you have to tell us how you would define it, of course. Um, the texts that are in there are describing experiences. Would that, would that be a correct definition for you? Yes, 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 yes. I, I, uh, what I do is, what I did is, uh, first of all, I explain the journey of the Sangatra and I explain, you yeah. know, um, the Amduat is divided in 12 hours and in every hour there happens something in the transformation process of the Sun God. And 
I have uh, I, I have written uh, about all those hours, and in an hour I explain what it means to the sun god and why all all those deities there uh, are there and what is their function in the transformation process, and then I uh, tell about what happens if you make the journey to the duot and what you will um, experience there. So there are two parts in a chapter. Right, right. Well, let's let's take that step by step. I don't mean hour by hour, but to give our listeners a bit the experience or what it means. You are talking about those 12 hours. And of course, I think we should just point it out. It's in Egyptian mythology, it is also is at night. It's the night hours and the sun god who sets in the evening at the first hour, then goes through the 12 hours of the night to yes. raise to raise again the next morning as the sun god again. Right. That's the tw what the 12 hours That's, mean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. And what happens to him? I mean, just very generally in those 12 hours, what is what is the past now without going into detail of the hours, but what is the yeah. path of the 12 hours? Uh, well, you know, uh, the story begins at the moment as the sun god sets behind the horizon of the west at the end of the day. And that is the moment that the sun is aged, you know, he has lost his radiance and you can say the sun god has died. And then he descends in the duat and he starts his travel to the 12 hours of the night. And during his travel, he transforms, there happens something. And then after 12 hours, he emerges from the duot and he rises above the horizon of the east as a renewed shining light. So the beauty of the Yam Duat is that it reveals what happens after death by text and illustration. And what it makes really interesting is that you can follow the sun god and you can see how he transforms hour by hour from a dying sun in a rejuvenated sun. So the Amdava demonstrates that there is no thing such as death. You know, death is, forms a transition uh, from an old phase to a new one. And, and you can see that as a gateway. And when you pass it, you will be reborn in a new life. And that is what happens to the sun every day. Every day he die, he's dying. And uh, the next day he is reborn again. So in a way, the underworld solves the mystery about around death. Just that, it's, which is a big Just one. That. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> well, as you could see, there is much more to talk about than only ancient Egypt, but that only is, of course, not the reduction. There is so many things that Diana can talk about, about the way she does art, about the way she came to occultism and... I wanted to give you a little insight into all of that, and she did it, and I'm very grateful for that. Let's now listen to another piece of music. And again, it's of course XO who have given me the three pieces for today. XO, that group by Jeff and Jake, who has who who have sent me their music because Jeff is a very active listeners of listener of this show. So um, the next title that we're going to hear now is called By My Side. Again, composed, written and performed by Jeff and Jake, the brothers who are forming that group XO. 
And um, after that second song, we are going to return to the second half of the interview. And as we always do now, no further interruption. We go straight into the third piece of music. And the third piece of music by EXO that we are listening here today is called Up. Okay, so let's go now first by my side. And then we go back to Diana, listen to the interview, and then we listen again to Up by XO. By my side now. Okay, so now 
the mystery of death and there we are now we we that's where i wanted to get to because of course this text and those all those texts which called books of the death of the death yeah um want to teach us could you in a way you said transformation just uh, uh, a few sentences ago would you say it could be compared to a kind of spiritual alchemy Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, you can see it as the alchemic uh, alchemy process. You know, yeah. it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what does that mean now for us as a living person? When you, because well, let's first say what do you do in that book? Because you give us here a kind of, it's not a grimoire that would be exaggerated, but it is a a handbook to work oneself your path through those 12 hours right yes that's true okay so tell us a bit about that what what does that path mean for the individual who reads that book um, um let's say um you know why you should make the journey what the purpose of yes. it is well you know it, it helps you on your path of self-discovery and it will grant you what you are looking for and that is you yourself because we are all um, um, curious about our own unique path and uh, what our purpose is in life and why we're here and so the Anduat makes you aware of yourself and your possibilities and your unique talents. And it, it also offers you the tools to express those talents. So it helps you to manifest your unique self into life and into the world. So, And the system of the Anduat, so when you use it to meditate on it, it supports you and also stimulates the transformation process step by step so you gradually transform not too fast and not too slow but on a pace that is perfect for you and so the underwater gives you a personal journey and it is unique to you alone and made for you so and that is really um well that's really interesting about the underwater so we can all use it for our own uh yeah self self-exploration What I find interesting and in what you are just saying, and also when I read parts of the book and even in the introduction, um, Dolores, she wrote a nice two page introduction to the book. She says she uses those texts at 91 years to prepare herself in a way for what's coming. And yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, on the other, but is that the only objective? I get the impression when I read the book, That, yes, you can use it for that, but you can use it also for your own transformation for tomorrow, just like Ra, to be a better person in your life, not not just in your future life, maybe, but in your present life. Would you would you agree? Yeah, that's true. It, it, it has uh, two functions, you know, you, you use it during your life and uh, during your life. It is all. It is about life and death, you can say. And uh, during our lives, we 
sort of die over and over again because we have those uh, belief systems and convictions and we change them over and over again to renew ourselves you know we are not the same person as we were 20 years ago or as we were a kid we we transform ourselves and we learn new experiences so we our, our awareness expands and so in a way you die over and over again to renew yourself so during your life you go to the to the, the this process and at the end of the life of your life you actually go through it and if you work with the Amduat you learn how to die so hopefully when you are going to die it will become easier but I'm con I can't say that, of course, because... <laughs> Nobody who we are interviewing here can, I guess. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But, um, of course, as you know, and as uh, many people out there know, many, many of those traditions, uh, not only the Middle Eastern ones, but a lot of the Western traditions imply those moments where the initiate goes through some experience of death uh, yes, be it freemasonry be it uh, well almost all traditions uh, ceremonial magic traditions have that moment where you live that transformation ritually um in what way does the anduat give a different approach uh, what, what is the particularity of of the egyptian of the unduet approach in that way of rebirth and rejuvenation well it's, it's uh, do you mean it's about to create awakening is that what yes. you mean yes yeah yes. yeah well it's it's uh, the unduet is about the great awakening and the great awakening the great awakening is an initiation in itself you know it is the great awakening is the moment that you wake up and accept the truth about your true being and in a way you could say if you do not know who you are and you uh, have don't have a conscious connection with your inner being you are asleep so your eyes are closed and you're not able to see the truth about yourself and the great awakening happens at the moment you connect to all the aspects of yourself and it connects you to your true, true core so that you know who you are and you accept the truth and that's the moment that you wake up and um, and that is an initiation because you pass a certain threshold you know and you become in a new phase and so this is yeah this in, in ancient egypt it was a very very uh, important initiation absolutely yes yeah for the, the priest cast and the for priests, yes exactly well that brings me to another point exactly i had written that down and now we are there um you said in the beginning of course it's ancient a text that is ancient and has some historical background and um that text the the experience that was made or was supposed to be made by the Amduat was very much limited to the pharaonic, uh, the, phar the pharaohs and the family or the priests, etc. It didn't, yeah. it didn't um, 
consider the, 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 the people, so to speak, then back, you know, in ancient Egypt. Now, in our time, of course, it's very different. We want to democratize that uh, experience. In what way does that change the approach and or the texts or the whole procedure of the 12 hours? In what way does it change that? Is, is there a change or is that still the same experience? Um, I think it's still the same experience, you know. Um, um, in, in the time in, in ancient Egypt, yes, it was only meant for the pharaoh and um, he was the only one who had access to uh, the knowledge. Yeah. We thought, but that was not really true because the uh, elite priests also worked with the text. And, you know, it, the, the text on the wall was for the journey after life, but mm. uh, actually it was a journey in into life and they used that just for the great um, awakening. So, um, you know, those, those priests... Um, They were highly trained priests and they had access to it as well and and they worked with it and after many years of study and training they reached a required level to make the journey and you know the candidate had to lay down for three days and nights in the sarcophagus and that was the highest level of initiation you know the great awakening and the candidate had to connect himself with the higher being like a complete surrendering and nowadays we can still use that we can still work with the amduat and uh, use it like that to connect ourselves to our higher being and we can do that on our own level you know you don't have to be a highly trained priest or whatever we all can use it on our own level to to progress in our journey to life so that's the beauty of the Amduat and yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you are saying in our journey to life because you're not using the word death in that context. No, um, it, it actually is a journey into life. Yes, yeah, I agree. But why? Give, give us your, your, your background to that maybe. Um, I think um, the journey uh, into death is actually a journey into life because mm-hmm. death is not the end yet that is a portal to a new life so um it, it is a transformation and also an initiation to a higher level of awareness so yeah i think it's a journey into life it is a, sp- a spiral journey which which is yes, cyclic and at the same just, time mm-hmm. just just like the, the sun god he uh, made the cycle over and over again every day and we are all together in a journey like that you know we we travel and travel and we die and we we become reborn and it's it's a cycle to become uh conscious because it's it's the underworld is about the journey of the soul and yes. that's the journey of life and not of death, but life. Absolutely. Now, if, if somebody who is listening here and said, okay, I'm going to buy that book because I'm really interested in making that experience. Okay. Um, what would you tell such a person how, apart from reading the book, what is required to make that experience with the help of that book? But what, what, how do, should you approach Sasa Pass? What is something you need as a requirement? 
Well, I say anybody can do it, and that's true in a way. But you need uh, to know to know how to meditate. You need uh, 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 visualization techniques and concentration. And if you uh, master those techniques, you can do uh, the journey because that's the, you need the meditation to work with it. And if you're not um, known with it and you don't know how to do it and you don't have the discipline, but that is something that's really important as well. If you are going to work with the underwat, well, it is best to do it on a, a daily basis or, well, actually you can take one day off in a week, but you know, it's, it's a journey you have to progress. So yeah. With each meditation is yeah you need it like with each midi uh, like with each initiatic journeys right yeah it's uh, true right but uh, do you now that you have written the book and you have had all those experiences do you still work with it or is it at some point finished for you or how do no no I meditate on it every day and mm. I uh, continue my journeys yes. And does it develop then for you further, yes, also yes. the book or the text? Yeah, yes, yes, um, because, you know, I, I, I finished the book, but I, I'm still writing because there are there is so much information and it is still flowing. So I continue writing and uh, the book, um, actually, the book is quite basic knowledge. It is on a basic level because uh, that was the most difficult part of writing the book that I had to stay on one level because there is so much in it and I wanted that uh, lots of people could read it and if it would be too complicated, well, it was not accessible for a lot of people and I want to know that, I want to know, uh, that everybody um, can read it and I think, I think I managed to do that. So, oh, you definitely did, read, yeah. I can write a whole series about it, so uh, yeah, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> maybe I will. And still, just to let people know, I mean, it's still got 400 pages, right? It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. a small book. It's a, it's a beautiful, but also quite heavy, heavy book, a 400 pager with a lot of illustrations that I believe do help also in the, in the understanding of the work that has to be done, but it needs work. It, it certainly does need work it's not something it's not a page turner let's put it that way no no no, no. no, no yeah right no. right and um, where do we go from there now let's say somebody um has acquired the book has really started working deeply on it and seriously about it um where do you go personally further i mean the unduat is one thing but where does it carry you Um, well, it, it develops me as a person, you know, I, I work with the Amduat for 10 years now and I, if I see how I changed in those 10 years, you know, in those years I started with uh, the creation of the soul drawings, I started to write a book, um, you know, um, my, my life is not the same anymore, I, I, I progress so much and I change so much and I also had those questions in my life, you know, um, why I am here and where I am from and what is my purpose in life and 
through my journey in the Duat, I know why I am here and I know what my purpose in life is, so I am on my path. And yeah, I, the, all those questions are, are answered. So for me, the Dam de Wat is the book of, of answers. And it, it brought me so much. And I, um, well, I'm on my path now and I do the things that I have to do. And uh, there is a lot of work ahead of me. And I still use the Dam de Wat to make me conscious every day. Every day I, I got new insights and every day I got confrontations and things I have to learn. So, yes, I continue with this. Mm-hmm. Really, yes. In what way do you think uh, personally that uh, uh, I wouldn't even call it a book because I call it an imagery because it was on on those paintings on the wall of the tomb uh, of 3,500 years. That's roughly the age, I think, that those texts have. Um, where does the power of it come from? Do you, that's a personal question, how you personally see it, not, not any, I'm, I'm not asking any scientific question here, but you, no, have, no, I, I understand. right. Um, what do you think, um, uh, where does that power of the word and the image that's in the text come from? Yeah, well, that's that's something that's really in, uh, yeah interesting. First of all, I don't think that um, um, you know it was written on the walls in the in the Middle Kingdom, and that that was the moment that the Amdawat was there. But I think it's much much older than that. Mm-hmm. I think that um, before that time, it was not something you you wrote down. It was something uh, that uh, people. Uh, teaches you and you teach it to others you know right. and I think that later on they wrote it down and so and that's a good thing because we have found it now and we can use it but where it came from yeah well I think it's so interesting book you know it's it's the knowledge in it is not uh, of ancient Egypt, it is kind of an eternal wisdom because of, of mankind, so to speak. Yeah, of mankind, yeah. really, mm. because there are more books like that. You know, you have all those traditions, and they all have their sacred book or books, and this is one of it. And you know, um, and where it comes from? Well, I think inspiration or something maybe the priests work with it and they can uh, got ex- inspired from the higher worlds or something i i all, all yeah i always uh, almost think that it's not not from here or something it's from the higher worlds I mean, I don't remember exactly the title of that book by Eric Kornung. He defined it as the one. I mean, it's the one basically that he calls it, but it's uh, there is a very the, the one in the many, I think, was the title of the book yeah, yeah. that he wrote when he expressed the deities were the many, but all kind of accumulated in the one. And that is, of course, a a very hermetic thought then has it became very hermetic yes. later on in in alexandria you mentioned alexandria at the very beginning and your dreams about alexandria uh, it, that has kind of triggered something in me when you said that and would you be would you be able to to go a bit further on that why alexandria why what, what happened there in your dreams what 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 inspired you there uh, 
well, I, I don't know. I, I, I got those dreams. I didn't ask for it. Sure, but um, what happened afterwards? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, it was about uh, the lighthouse and the library. And uh, the, the, the years later, I still had dreams about it. And, well, it was almost that I was there myself or a long, long time ago or something. I don't know. It was... I still don't know what happened over there. No, but it's something connected to myself, I guess. The reason why I'm asking is, and when you when you take that that text and then you speak about Alexandria, right, and then you go down to the SOL, uh, all that path, it to me this sounds all very related because yeah. it is it is the I call it the hermetic path, but you can call it in a different way, but could you describe us your personal path along that way? My personal path? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. Can you well, explain this? Well, what, what I, I'd like, I mean, you, you chose the SOL for some reason at some point, right? Yes. Um, it's about something that was in you. Yeah. Okay, so what? How would you define that, and how did you select that, and why do you think you selected that? What is it that made you think that's for you? Well, I, I'm not sure how how this all happens. Uh, I, I have, the first thing I, I found a book in the library of Israel Regardi, The Tree of Life. Right. And much later on, I found a book of Dion Fortune, the. Uh, magical Kabbalah and I was really really intrigued in, in, in this book and I really loved it and then I found out that there actually was an esoteric school uh, teaching the mysteries and that was the service of the light and I really had to to, to, jo to join it, it was something I, I was looking for and I find it and I don't know where it come from, but mm -hmm. I think it's 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 something from past lives or something. It's some kind of a connection that I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And once again, the, uh, where do you think the, all of this will lead you? What what do you feel come up for you as next steps now that you have done the undo it are you going to write the second volume of an undo it at some point do you think or does it carry you further on anywhere else um well i'm still writing on the undo it yes there is so much in it and um it, the, the process uh, didn't stop so you know i i have written this book on on a basic level but you know my computer is full of other documents and it still flows every day so yeah i keep i keep uh, focusing on the underworld because there is so much in it and i want to know this and yeah maybe it will be another book i'm not sure Yeah. It could be, yes. And visual art, is your visual art inspired by that? Yes. As well? Yeah, yeah. I have made a lot of drawings uh, that are all based on those insights. And yeah, they're, they're really interesting. And um, my art uh, also changed because... Um, I was kind of a master forger, you know, I made all those copies of the old uh, Renaissance uh, paintings of Raphael and uh, uh, Botticelli and, mm -hmm. and when I was uh, 
working with the Amdawat. The Amdawat inspired me to express myself in my work instead of making copies of others. And uh, so I, I started to make my own work. And, um, you know, the, the drawings that I make, um, they are all inspired through my journey through the Duat. And, but, you know, um, I'm still working with, with art, but most of my time is writing now and I don't have much time for art anymore. <laughs> okay, so we, we are looking forward to to get uh, uh, other books from you sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, then. probably. Any, any projects that you would like to talk about already in that sense? Uh, any writing projects, I mean? Now, you know, if you are an artist, um, you never... Uh, reveal with what kind of work you are busy because right. it's, it's it's losing their magic so I, I never show my work before it's finished and well this is the same a bit yeah sure I, no, no. I am busy and I'm writing and That will, will follow something. Yes, I think so. You just said something that I very much uh, support and believe in because, because um, I'm, my initial arts is music and, and opera and, and the theater. Great. And um, so you just said uh, art is magic, right? Yeah. Well, well, before we finish this talk, tell us about the magic of art like you see it. And the magic of art, how I see it, um, how can I say it? Um, let's maybe first it is interesting to say what what magic is. Well, there you are, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, magic is a divine force that precedes creation. You know, magic is a trigger behind creation and. Anything that causes an effect in reality is powered by the divine force of magic. This means that without magic, creation would be impossible. And um, the important thing uh, with magic is that it is in, in accordance with the law of the natural world, you know, the law of the nature, you know, the gods. And... You know, the gods, he created the world by means of a spoken word and the words of power. And um, those words invoke the divine force of magic. And so we can work with this divine force. And that's all the way how, how uh, art works, because you get inspired by those yeah, higher insights and you translate it into an, an artwork. So, yeah, if, if you see some artworks, you really can see the magic in it. And it's also, if you look at the art in ancient Egypt, it is empowered with magic, you know? You can feel it radiating from the walls. And I think that is the most beautiful art, yes. When you do ceremonial magic, for example, personally, Uh, you do a ritual uh, and on the other hand when you create art be it visual or be it writing or whatever um, is the the act of creation in both experiences similar or is it very different no it's similar yes it is, it's similar yeah. because you know uh, magic is in art it is in in also in a anything you do it is about creation and 
Um, I think if you become conscious of it, that you're working with it, you know, then you really can work with magic, you know, you can... uh, you can make great things, you can transform great things, and you really can use it. So the gods give the nature laws, and what exactly is the role of the human artist for you to create that new work? Let's put it that way. Um, I think that's a really... Um, it is a good to... Um, manifest those uh, divine inspiration because we are the vessels of the divine Mm -hmm. so if we make things we in a a kind of way we 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 uh, make it sacred you know that uh, if you have those higher higher powers they don't have a body so they can do anything they just only can inspire us and we become the vessel or the magician to make life sacred and i think that is yeah, that's really important to do, you know, to make the world sacred. Definitely. And how much leeway does the artist have? What comes out? I mean, is it all given its direction beforehand by the divine? Or does the human being, the artist, have a, a certain leeway where he or she can direct the outcome of, of yes, the creation. Yes, of course, of course. It's your free will. You can do with it what you like. Yes. yes, definitely, definitely. Well, Diana, thank you for a fascinating talk. I think we covered a lot of ground uh, uh, on not just ancient Egypt, but very general points of view. And I think that's important because always those things live together, at least that's the way I would see it. Um, would you want to have a final saying, a final word to our audience on maybe some encouragement how to approach Amduat uh, the way that you started it? Well, I, I have a, a very nice quote of the artist Pablo Picasso. Mm-hmm. I think that we all know him. And he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. And that's exactly what the Amdawat is about, you know? It is about to find your own gift, your talents and your potential and to manifest or to give it away in life. And yeah. Yeah, very, very, very good quote to finish that. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for a very inspiring hour in your company. And uh, well, good luck with all your future projects. I may say that I see the God Thoth there in the background in your room oh, yes. sitting there. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that fit well for our talk here today. Um, thank you so much. And well, good luck with all your future um, work and, and projects. Thank you so much, Rudolf. And it was my pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye now. Bye bye.
from the group XO. The group XO is composed by the twin brothers Jeff and Jake, who, and Jeff is one of our listeners who has sent me their music. Very grateful. Once again, XO is an alternative rock band from the United States who have been performing for already over 16 years. They are gonna finish a new EP very soon and you have really the possibility to go to their Bandcamp website and uh, check them out. They have already released two studio albums. Um, have a look and support them. I think it's really worth it and would be lovely if you could do that. Right. Thank you for being with me here today and thanks especially to Diana, Diana Kreikam to be our guest here today. It was a really interesting talk. Thank you so much. And uh, I have learned, as always, new things as I always do in those interviews. That's the great thing about doing a podcast, to tell you that every week I learn something new. Okay, what's up next week? What can I learn next week? Well, next week, um, I'd almost say we finish a bit our Egyptian cycle. We had Zemi and uh, uh, his his ideas about thought and the Egyptian religion that he is be actively using for his own worship today, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. We had Diana Craigham, Berhander, and Duat Meditations here today. And next week, we're going to talk about Egyptian magic, about the book called Egyptian Magic, which has been published by, written by Mog Morgan and published by Mandrake as well. Mandrake, just like Amtuas, the book we spoke about here today. And Mog Morgan, he is not only the author of that book, but also he is the publisher at Mandrake von Oxford. A very interesting a highly interesting uh, publishing house in the United Kingdom. And we're going to talk to him about both his book and the publishing house. It's going to be interesting and Egyptian again, but not only Egyptian once again. So um, join us again for episode 14 next week. That will be July the 25th. I'm looking forward to have you with us then. Right. I hope you're having a good summer. I hope you're having a not too hot summer uh, wherever you are and not too many thunderstorms and floodings and as many of us unfortunately have here over in Europe at the moment. Um, wish you all well. It's been really a tough 18 months and we should not have too many problems now with those things once again. And for those of you who are in the middle of winter down under there, uh, because we also have a lot of listeners from the other side of the planet, from Australia, from South Africa, from other parts of the world, wish you also a very good time down there. Speaking about that, once again, come back with your feedback to me. I'd love to hear from you. Also, just tell me from where you're listening and how you found the podcast. That's always interesting and important for me to know. Thank you for that. Right, and... Now it's time to say goodbye and to say come back next week. And for the time being, take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.